Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, in his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning and welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, the host, and happy to welcome my friend Andrew Lyon here today. Also want to thank uh, my engineer Paul for all that he does to make this show and uh, myself and guests uh, sound and look as great as we can possibly look, although uh, I'm not sure that's really very possible for me, but we'll <laughs> you know, do, do the best we can. So let me tell you a little bit about Andrew and then we'll start our conversation. So We've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. Uh, we're both on the board of a local organization here called Octane, and I've just really appreciated his energy, passion, excitement about the community here in Orange County, and he's relatively new here, but always love to bring new blood and, and new energy to the area. And so he came out here several years ago uh, to join Chapman, and then uh, a little less than a year ago, and I'll let him talk about it, he became the founding dean of a new school at Chapman, the Dale and Sarah Ann Fowler School of Engineering. And it's really exciting from my perspective in that it's the first time in a long time that we've added a new engineering school, uh, certainly in Orange County and probably in all of Southern California. And you know, my experience here has been that everything Chapman does is in a very first-class, world-class way. And so I want to hear about... Uh, all that's happening uh, about that from Andrew. Um, prior to that, he'd been the dean of the College of Science and Technology there for several years and has a, a ton of experience in the, and interest in the area of STEM. And so naturally, moving from science and technology to engineering as well is a natural extension. He's also an entrepreneur. He's been a co-founder and, and chief scientist for a couple companies in the biomedical and therapeutics markets. He's been active, as I said, with uh, me and, and many others on the Octane board and also uh, a part of the board of the Beckman Foundation. He spent several years in another area that I think has been really developing as an innovation ecosystem in this country, which is Atlanta, where he was chair. He was at Georgia Tech, uh, which is a world-class technical institution for many, many years and was the chair of the chemistry and biochemistry school there. And so I think he also has that perspective where he's come from another place that's doing some really interesting things and can bring that perspective that we so uh, desperately need here in Orange County as we continue to accelerate uh, things here and, and look at how do we make this a better innovation ecosystem. Um, Andrew has done a lot, and I want to spend some time talking about that today. It's great to have you here at Accelerate OC. <clears throat> Thanks, Carrie. It's awesome to be invited to be here. This is beautiful day, beautiful studio. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is an exciting initiative you have here. So I think you've hit the nail on the head, bringing people together to talk about how we can make the Orange County ecosystem better. So thanks a lot for having me. Well, I, I really appreciate you joining, and I think we're going to have, have some fun. So let's get to the starting line. Tell me the story about how you came to Orange County. Obviously, I gave a little bit of the background, but you know what what uh, got you excited to come out here other than this beautiful weather that, that right. we have? Yeah, I mean, I spent, as you said, I spent a number of years at, at Georgia Tech and, and uh, did um, 
grow into a role as chair of chemistry and biochemistry there. Uh, and I surprised myself. I was like really excited about being a leader in higher education, mm -hmm. which a lot of professors kind of keep at arm's length, sure. right? Uh, I felt like I was having an impact. I felt like I was helping um, the university grow and helping faculty and students. Uh, but as I got more engaged in that, I felt like for my next step, I wanted to be someplace that had more of a tradition of being really student-centered. Hmm. Um, and uh, and I felt like that was where the impact needed to be made in higher education. Um, I knew a lot about Orange County. I had been coming out to Southern California for uh, Beckman Foundation events for quite some time. Okay. And when the opportunity to be Dean of Science at Chapman came across my desk, I did some looking into that, and uh, um, I was intrigued. Uh, you know, it's the place that has, you know, it was growing rapidly, fantastic leadership, um, really an entrepreneurial spirit. They let us kind of have great ideas and, and support us in pushing those forward. So it seemed like a great place to come for the next stage of my career. Very cool. So talk about how the engineering school came to be. Obviously, Chapman has had great success in the time. I've been here about 15 years. In the time I've been here at raising the profile of the school, uh, certainly in building a, a very large endowment, mm -hmm. um, how did mm -hmm. the engineering school get on the roadmap and, and come to be? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, President Strupa uh, 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 has been thinking about engineering since he came here in the late 2000s. Okay. Um, he was provost of the, of the university prior to becoming president, and he recognized that establishing a firm foundation in the sciences was kind of the first step before you could actually do engineering in a big yeah. way. And so he did that. He really supported science, supported the growth of um, research and education in STEM uh, uh, in a very big way. And when I got here a little over five years ago, uh, the College of Science was poised for kind of a next stage in growth, and I mm -hmm. helped lead that through. So they supported me. We hired about 25 new faculty. We um, changed the direction of, of research and really supported research in a very, very big way. Um, we got the School of uh, or the College of Science into a new building, the Keck Center for Science and Engineering, a beautiful facility. Um, and kind of along that way, it became clear that it was now time to kind of flick the switch and go ahead and do engineering. And the gift from the Fowler family, um, you know, helped uh, mm -hmm. with that decision. Um, I became deeply involved in the strategic planning for the School of Engineering. And then when it came time for it to actually start, President Strupa and, and Provost Pfeiffer came to me and said, you know, hey, would you be interested in being founding dean of this? Um, and I thought about it a little bit, but, you know, it's an academic startup, and startups, as you know, mm -hmm. are way cool. Mm -hmm. And so I jumped in with both feet, and, and um, that happened at the beginning of this academic year. And June 1st, when the budget year flicked over, um, we actually started the School of Engineering. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on Thank you. getting it off the ground. So you know, from my perspective, I've, I've sort of alluded to this, Chapman has really uh, impressed me in its growth as an institution and has really become, uh, I would say, you know, minimally a very prominent university here in Southern California, mm -hmm. but I think it's even raising its profile beyond that um, from what I can see. How, how do you see the new engineering school further accelerating yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting area, right? I mean, you've got all of this activity um, and and all of these really, really smart students who, you know, want to be engineers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them leave the state 
to do their engineering education. Mm -hmm. And I can talk a little bit about the stats there later. But, but primarily, if we think about why we need more engineers, I mean, as a society, we're facing these hugely complex challenges, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, how strong a university is relates to the new knowledge and innovation that's coming out of that university, mm -hmm. how it really intersects with those great mm -hmm. uh, challenges we face. Um, and so... With engineering, Chapman can now bring together all of its strengths in science, humanities, art, social sciences, and now engineering mm -hmm. um, around these big challenges, right? So now we have the final piece of the puzzle so that our faculty and students can work together, um, develop the next uh, set of in innovations that address these challenges, and, and take Chapman to the next level in that regard. So I think that's really, really important. It kind of makes the university more complete, um, but it also gives us that final piece towards solving all of these big problems and generating that important new knowledge. That's really, really interesting to think about. I, I, I'm gonna have to spend some more time on that one. Maybe not even uh, today, but that's that's a, a really that that kind of multidisciplinary mm -hmm. uh, a view of, of the school being able to surround big problems of our time and and come up with some of those ideas is really really compelling. So let's let's go a little bit uh, under the hood here. I mean, starting, you, you alluded to this being really a startup mm -hmm. in, in an academic setting. I mean, starting a school has to be a ton of work, mm -hmm. just like any any startup. And I would say a lot of people would, would look at this and say, there are a ton of engineering schools already in Southern California. We're producing more engineers every year here than any other region in the country. So why mm -hmm. why enter that competitive fray? Yeah, I mean, certainly when you're doing a startup, you do a market analysis mm -hmm. and you figure mm -hmm. out you know whether there's some place you can operate sure. and so you're right it seems fairly crowded um, but in reality it's not I mean we we have so many students leaving Southern California and really the state as a whole to do their engineering education elsewhere because mm -hmm. so many of the programs that currently exist here are hugely impacted um, the schools of engineering or colleges of engineering around the state sometimes have admit rates less than 10%, wow. less than 5%. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's a little bit daunting for mm. really, really talented students to look at getting into engineering and thinking, well, maybe it's just really a roll of the dice at that point because mm -hmm. the numbers are so big. Yeah, it's like a lottery ticket almost. It is, and it's really challenging. And so what... So really, if you look at it that way, there's a huge market demand that still exists mm -hmm. for engineering education. Um, I described kind of this notion of how we think about generating new knowledge around grand challenges. Um, that's important for Chapman to now have a seat at the table, and mm -hmm. the way to do that is through engineering. And so there's that um, motivation as well. Um, but then finally, uh, if you think about the growth of local industry, large businesses and small businesses and startups, um, you know, they're in many verticals, market verticals are, are struggling to find employees. Oh, absolutely. Right? Um, uh, and, and especially in the tech and computer science and cybersecurity and all of these other affiliated areas, obviously artificial intelligence, data science, um, all of those areas, we've got students that are flying out of the region. And if we can be a local source for that talent and really keep people in state and generate this types of students and the types of employees that local businesses really crave, then I think we can be the centerpiece of, of the ecosystem as it grows. Mm, that's great. Well, let's go a little 
further in that. Uh, what, what do you see as your vision for this school over the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, I'll try to give you the elevator pitch. I'm looking at the clock. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, We're only on I the can, fifth floor here. So yeah, I could. Yeah, elevator I could, rise on too long. <laughs> I could talk for a long time about this. Uh, you know, I think about um, any strategic plan for College of Science is having, you know, well-defined what I call pillars, sure. right? Um, and... The first of those is how we view the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of our curriculum as very immersive. And what I mean by that is we're trying to get the students to be engineers from day one. Um, that means actually having them do stuff, mm-hmm. right? Not just mm-hmm. sit in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Actually having them work on industry standard tools. So mm-hmm. we have really strong industry relationships where people tell us, what's coming down that the students really need to to Mm -hmm. know. And those technical tools aren't just technical tools that we're giving them kind of in a vocational education point. That's not the way we do it. What we do is we teach them the concepts and the theory through the lens of those industry standard tools so they have some kind of understanding of the relevance of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as the industry changes, they're really sophisticated about how they pivot. so we, we, I think, do that well, and, and one way we do that that's a very, very large program is a program called the Grand Challenges Initiative, mm-hmm. which um, is a massive program where we throw students into interdisciplinary teams uh, around these big problems practically from the first day they get on campus, wow. and they work on those problems for about two years. Um, we, this fall, will have about 550 students across about 50 different majors in that program. Cool. Um, so it's massive. They, they, they uh, have to act like small startups mm-hmm. in many ways mm-hmm. around these problems and think about what the use cases are for their potential innova- innovations. And so that's very immersive um, on the curriculum side. That leads into the next pillar, which is this concept of convergent problem solving. Um, when you've got a big problem, making sure that you're thinking about problem solving with all of the people at the table from day one, mm-hmm. right? So you don't ask people to go off and do things in isolation. You ask them to do the really, really difficult, almost messy process mm-hmm. of working together on something that you don't net yet understand sure. very, very deeply. Um, that leads into this notion of entrepreneurial thinking, right? If you give students that much rope, um, they do interesting things, right? They're, sure. they're kind of unbiased by this uh, legacy knowledge about how you should do things. They've got a clean sheet of paper and... Um, and they come out the other side with ideas and concepts that you wouldn't normally get from somebody who is following a particular, you know, sta- standard uh, rubric. Yeah, often that, that unbounded yeah. uh, or naivete can be super powerful for breakthrough. Yeah. And you balance trying to, like, make sure you're guiding them along the way towards these kind of cool new ideas. Um and you try to not hinder them too much as mm-hmm. they go down that path by telling them, well, that'll never work, right? Sure. So we try to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we work pretty diligently to make sure that the physical spaces our students are immersed in mm-hmm. um, foster that kind of innovation, that kind of creativity. Uh, so we worked pretty hard to make the Keck Center for Science and Engineering really a hub for student work and student mm-hmm. innovation. And if you walk through the building, you see that. Um, we're now designing the engineering wing for that building. Mm-hmm. And those design meetings with the architects are like the most happy time mm-hmm. of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're amazing. The building is sure. going to really be a, a pretty remarkable place to, to do science and engineering. That's great. Um, and then finally, 
I talked about how hard it can be for students to find their way into engineering education. That's further true for students from um, communities that maybe are uh, low socioeconomic status. Um, STEM has an issue in terms of access, and there's lots of underrepresented groups Absolutely. in STEM. And so we work pretty diligently to go out and um, meet those students and pave ways for them to get into uh, engineering, either through making sure they understand what the process of accessing that education is, the actual application process for college, mm -hmm. as well as identifying people to sponsor scholarships for those students to make it financially feasible for them to access. That's great. Very exciting. I mean, just, uh, I, I, I sort of am sitting here thinking, when can I get the invite to come mm -hmm. over and see the facility? It sounds, it sounds Anytime. really exciting. So let's... Let's take that. I think the thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about and, and we've talked about previously is this innovation ecosystem or good startup ecosystem. And there, there are a lot of pillars required mm -hmm. to do that. And I would say one that is critical and, and a, a key reason why you're here is having good resident academic institutions, mm -hmm. whether that is for great research or great training of the next generation workforce. So we, we have to find ways, you know, really to, to work together to create those student opportunities, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think Chapman has done a great job in preparing students to be really productive in the, the workplace. You mm -hmm. know, most of my career has been in the startup world, and it takes a certain kind of adaptable personality type to do it. And, you know, I, I don't know if I've should let everyone uh, in the audience in on my secret, but I've found that, that Chapman students are incredible mm. in the early stages of companies. And I've, I've had some of the best folks uh, on the teams that I've been a part of who have come out of Chapman to a point where I've gone, what are they doing over there? There's something that's really working well, uh, but we're still losing a lot of these students. Yeah. So, I mean, how are you thinking about bringing the community in or creating more of those, as, as I often call them, collisions right. between the, the people that are practically working on some of these big problems in trying to create businesses or sustainable solutions around them and the academic institution that you're a part of. Yeah, well, you stole my word. I mean, I use that word collisions all the time, too. I mean, it's super, super important. Um, you know, we we try to do a few things. One is, I think, just raising awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of students, they come into college and they've got kind of stars in their eyes that they're sure. going to work for one of those big tech companies mm -hmm. and someplace else, right? Not realizing, first of all, that a lot of those companies have presences Absolutely. here, mm -hmm. right? And <laughs> secondly, that there's a million other ways to chart a career that can be hugely rewarding and perhaps sure. even more so. And so we try to make sure that our students have really broad visions of the types of markets and the types of companies they can work with. Mm -hmm. um, Part of that is kind of very straightforward, building internship programs, engaging with those companies, and making sure that um, if they have opportunities, that they know the process by which we can get those opportunities in front of our students. Mm -hmm. um, part of it is having those companies serve as, say, mentors for student teams and some of our team-based learning projects. Uh, that allows them to do a little bit of kicking the tires early on. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I think being more intentional about making sure our students know about business development and growth. And again, a lot of our team-based activities give the students a peek behind the curtain to what it takes to really think about building a business. Maybe not 
always formal entrepreneurship type training, sure. but making sure they understand. Not sure that really exists. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> learning some, by doing. Some people, yeah, some sure. people try to have these curricula, but they they they're a little bit artificial, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to be a little bit more authentic and show them what it means to to really try to target a market and push into it mm-hmm. with a product or a service. Um, and that then gives them a sense of, oh, okay, there's other types of places I can go that are local mm-hmm. to, to, to start doing that in my own career. Um, and I also think that uh, we need to do a better job in this area kind of making sure we have these centers of gravity, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the other places that have these very, very strong ecosystems I don't know, I mean, have kind of a coolness factor associated with them in terms of, you know, a physical aggregator where those collisions really happen so naturally. And sometimes I feel in Orange County, we're a little bit overly spread out and we don't have one or two central locations where that happens. And, uh, And I think we need to figure out how to do that so that people recognize that this is the place to stay. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. and you know it's funny. You know, I, I spent a fair bit of time. Not I, when I started out here, I was in LA, mm-hmm. and as I think about the comparison between LA and Orange County, I mean LA is really spread out. Yeah, Orange County does have a bit of that. Um, you know, you call it sprawl, or or mm-hmm. it's this expansive great suburb, but it's easy to get around here. I it mean, is. as much as people, it's all. I guess all those things are are relative, and you know, I spent a considerable amount of time in Chicago. Uh, there was a big distinction between the city of Chicago and the suburbs. You know, Orange County, uh, to your point, we, we need to find some of those places, but it's easy to get from it South is. County, relatively speaking, to most places or from uh, inland to the beach or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So as long as we have the places, I'm pretty convinced that we can get people to, to turn up there and yeah. that um, traffic or uh, access isn't often the challenge so i alluded earlier you came from atlanta um what they seem to really be on a a rise from an innovation standpoint i mean what what have you drawn from there or what have you seen there that you feel like we should be thinking about that you don't see us actively doing right now yeah, Atlanta's an interesting place. You know, I, I spent about 16 years there, and as you said in the intro, I've helped start a couple of companies in that ecosystem, and those companies are still located mm-hmm. there. Um, and so there's a few things that the state of Georgia has done that I think help. One is, since I believe 1970, there's been a line item in the state budget called the uh, Advanced Technology Development Center, or the ATDC. Um, and that is just for incubation and acceleration of companies wow. that are located. And it doesn't even have to be located in Atlanta initially, or in the state of Georgia. They actually bring companies in from elsewhere sure. to, to start there. and, and so them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, That's a novel concept. <laughs> You know, I don't think California is <laughs> of the current belief that that's a requirement, but yeah, that, right. that totally makes sense. Well, there wasn't enough deal flow early on, sure. right? So you had to do that mm-hmm. um, in, in the Atlanta area and in Georgia. Um, so it's taken that long for that culture to really seed and grow. Mm-hmm. 1970, again, is where that started. Um, also, there's this thing called the Georgia Research Alliance, which um, does things like has really favorable term, you know, loans and and grants for startups mm-hmm. uh, to seed things. They fund things like 
GRA eminent scholars who are faculty, mm. chaired professors at universities in the state of Georgia who have an entrepreneurial mindset, who want to start companies. And part of the ask of those faculty when they're hired and when they're given that endowed chair is to go ahead and feed back into the ecosystem. Mm. <clears throat> and so economic development is a huge part of all of those state-directed mandates. Um, but then you have talking about Atlanta being an aggregator or a center of mass, in Atlanta, within a 10-mile drive in any direction, you have Georgia Tech, Emory, the Center for Disease Control, Emory Medical School, Children's Healthcare mm -hmm. of Atlanta, and Georgia State, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's super dense. And, um, you know, one of the, the companies that I helped start, the IP associated with that company was actually jointly held. And when we did the licensing deal, it was complex because the, te mm -hmm. the tech was jointly mm -hmm. held by CDC, Georgia Tech, Emory, and Children's. Wow. And so those entities don't just exist. They work together mm -hmm. to foster innovation in a way that I think is pretty novel. Um, and so that's all great. Now, there's also some downside. It's not all rosy because I don't feel like capital flows as easily in that part of the country. As um, California. As California, right? I feel like the uh, um, VC and the angel investment landscape is a lot more conservative. So you end up, so valuations tend up being, end up being lower mm -hmm. and, and you end up having to work harder and longer as a company to kind of free up some of that capital than you mm -hmm. might in this area. So, um, so that's been a frustration. I think think for many companies in that area, but but getting started up, and also, you know, a lot of the incubator space associated with ATDC is in the university, mm. so it's on campus, mm -hmm. and so you basically walk across a quad, and you've gone from your research lab, academic research lab, to your company in about a minute. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's compelling, certainly for, uh, and, and I think that also, um, as, as we were just talking about, with when it comes to the community, when they see that actual companies are getting formed there, in many cases, that's a more accessible place for somebody mm -hmm. to come in than right. maybe walking into a classroom building. If you haven't been a, in school for yeah. 10, 20, 30 years, y y it can feel very foreign coming into a, an academic True. setting where if it feels more like uh, a workspace and... Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So... You've been here now for several years, uh, and you look ahead. Obviously, this new engineering school is going to be a key cornerstone to um, the future talent pool in Orange County. What what most excites you about the technology ecosystem here? Well, I mean, it's just so dynamic, right? And and uh, you know, there's amazing ideas that are, are are getting started up, and it's just such a rich time, especially in things like you know AI and data, um, things like cybersecurity and data security, um, and also uh, you still have this legacy, but very very strong thing like aerospace industry mm -hmm. um, uh, that probably not going anywhere. It's not going soon. anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have 
have this beautiful balance of really new industry verticals and existing ones that I think are learning how to partner. Um, we've been sending a huge number of students from Chapman into things like aerospace, um, not as aerospace engineers, but as things like data scientists, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. um, so I think, again, to use that word convergence, I think there's this really kind of cool convergence between a lot of new industries and older industries that's refreshing the area. And so it's an exciting time to be a part of it. Yeah, that, and I think that's something I don't spend nearly enough time thinking about is how do we capitalize on some of those legacy industries that are going to continue to reinvent mm -hmm. themselves and, and want to, to be able to stay around. So we haven't talked enough, I think. So let's let's talk for a second about how do you envision the community being able to support other than you know, I'm a parent of a few kids, maybe thinking about trying to get my kids to become engineers mm -hmm. and go to Chapman. Uh, how do you see the opportunities for our community who are investors, startup founders, people in the innovation economy here? How do you see them being able to get involved in, in the school and, and help you advance this new school? <clears throat> well, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people enjoy having a seat at the table as you're starting something new. And, and we are very open to input. We spend a lot of time listening. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time uh, listening to people's stories about what works and what doesn't with respect to um, uh, starting up a company, with respect to what employees really look like that are valuable to a company. Um, what is coming down the road in terms of new innovations that we should be aware of. And so I'm always interested in getting out and meeting people who have stories to tell who, that I think can inform what we do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be stodgy. We sure. want to be very, very nimble and aggressive in terms of how we develop our educational programs. Um, I think getting the word out and making sure people recognize that we have amazing students. Like you said, our students mm -hmm. really are just kind of bursting at the seams when they get out in terms of the excitement and enthusiasm enthusiasm they have for, for being part of something and being leaders. Um, and then finally, I talked about uh, access, right? You know, I think that Chapman has a very, very forward-thinking view about what it means to be an engineer. Um, we have people doing engineering research and education in Fowler School who don't look anything like hmm the types of engineers you might see at other universities, and that's a great thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to break the mold in terms of identity, in terms of, of underrepresented groups, and in terms of the thought process of doing engineering, um, not just getting down and, and uh, uh, you know, tinkering with some electronics, but thinking about how that might impact people, say, in an assistive technology space or something like mm -hmm. that. And so making sure that people recognize that we're taking a very, very broad view to engineering and and, and reaching out to us and letting us tell that story a little bit more, I think, is someplace people can really help. That's great. Thank you for that. I, I'm getting the, uh, unfortunately, I'd, I'd love to sit here all day, and uh, <laughs> Paul is giving me the, the time sign. So uh, it's unfortunately time for our final lap, Andrew. One of the things that I, uh, I like to ask all my guests is just to, to share a, a lesson or a tip or a quote, something that, that really has impacted them that they want to share with the, the audience. So what, what do you feel like is the biggest lesson you've learned uh, in your time at Chapman or in, in your two startups that you'd love to share with the, the listeners? Yeah, I bookend those two experiences and think about um, 
this notion of process over product. Uh, when you're doing a startup, you got to think about product, mm -hmm. right? Um, but too often, when we think about accelerating a startup ecosystem out of a university, we spend too much time thinking about product and not enough time thinking about process. Mm. And so process over product, for me as an educator, means that I want the students to think about where they're going, but think more about how they're going to get there mm -hmm. and immersing them in this kind of sandbox in terms of how we view uh, an experiential education um, is part of that. And then once they've learned that process, once they really understand what it takes to get a product off the ground, mm -hmm. then let them go do that. Sure. If you focus on product too early, you end up getting widgets that nobody cares about. Ah, that's a great, great perspective. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. So, Andrew, it's been so fun and and. You know, I'm so grateful that you joined me today and, and took us on a ride and shared all that's going on over at Chapman and the new school there. Uh, and thanks also for leading by example here. You've, you've been a great accessible part of the community, and, and I really appreciate that. Uh, you're definitely doing your part to accelerate OCs. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you, Carrie. This has been a lot of fun. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 